You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed. Then I gave my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man, and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors, and bar them, and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and every one to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, while you're seated there, I do want to make uh, one more announcement that I failed to mention earlier. I hope on your way out, I hope you get some of the flyers for Teen Spectacular. Uh, give them out to neighbors, friends, co-workers, and uh, be in prayer. Maybe take an extra flyer, just stick it in your Bible or stick it on your refrigerator and to remind you to pray for these uh, services. Not tomorrow, but one week from tomorrow and then that Tuesday. Uh, also, uh, while you're, uh, we're getting ready to jump into the message, I want to say I got to meet uh, Tim. We're glad to have you with us. I think it's your first time. Uh, Victor, I got to meet you. We're so glad to have you. Uh, Savannah, it's not your first time, but we're thankful to have you back. And then uh, Craig and Kim. We love it when you come. That back row gives us a lot of trouble, and you always help to straighten them out. And so we're, we're appreciative of that. But uh, and other guests that are here, we're so honored to have you. And uh, I thank the Lord for every Sunday. I hope you never get tired of coming to church. Uh, you know, church is really, uh, it ought to encourage us. It ought to strengthen us. But church is when we come uh, as a, an assembly, we come to worship God. And I understand you can worship God at home. And by the way, I hope you do worship God at home. I think sometimes the people that say, well, I worship God at home. I don't go to church. I don't know. I don't know what you do at home. But I doubt there's a lot of worship going on at home if you're not coming to church because the church is God's plan. And the more you read the Bible, the more you realize that the church is God's plan for his people. It's not the only time you worship, but it's God's desire. It's God's plan for his people uh, to come and to assemble and to, to sing. I, I believe the Lord was glorified this morning when we were singing, crown him with many crowns. You say, well, that's not my favorite song. Well, it doesn't have to be your favorite song, but I believe the Lord was pleased with it. I don't think there was anything about that song that was about man or about how good we are, but it was all about him. And I hope we worship the Lord at home. I hope we worship the Lord when we're at church, and I hope that our life is all about worshiping uh, our Savior. Nehemiah chapter 7, in your Bibles, we see now in verse number 1 that the wall is built, the gates and the doors are put on, and everything is complete. So, you would think it's time to relax, but it's not time to relax. There's still more work to do. The work now is not as much in the building, but the work now is the work of preparing the people. And I want to remind us here at Victory Baptist Church, the church is not the building. The church is the people. 
Uh, I already, I've heard, I'm sure you have as well, I've heard of some churches in Florida that were destroyed by the hurricane. I, 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 let me rephrase that. I've heard of some church buildings that were destroyed by the hurricane. You know, if something catastrophic ever happened and this building were destroyed, I tell you, there'd be a lot of tears shed for sure because of the memories and because of all that God has done in this place. And I thank God for this place. I thank God for this beautiful building. I hope you never take for granted the building God has given us and the, the property. And, and I, I'm thankful for all of the buildings. I thank God for our school property. Every time I walk in our gymnasium, I just thank the Lord that we've got a place for Sunday school classes and uh, master clubs. And we've got a place for activities. We've got a place for fellowships. We've got a, a, a place that we can have. And we are so blessed to have these properties. I'm praying for more properties. You say, no, not more. Pro oh, yeah, yeah. I'm praying God will give us some more properties. And you say, well, what do we need more properties for? Well, certainly not to boast about, but to use for the glory of God. I say all that to say this, that the church is not the building. The church is the people. And Nehemiah got the wall built and the people got the wall built. But once the wall was built, the job was not done. The work was not done. There, were some, there was some work that needed to take place in the hearts and lives of the people. I want you to notice chapter 7 and verse 1 came to pass when the wall was built and uh, the doors were set up and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. He says, I gave uh, my brother Hanani and Hananiah, another man, the ruler of the palace, I gave them charge over Jerusalem for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. In verse three, I want you to notice this verse and we'll have prayer. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot and while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint, what's the next word? Watches, appoint guards, appoint lookouts, appoint people that will watch the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his house. I'd like to preach this morning from Nehemiah 7 on the subject of watching the walls and guarding the gates. You see, the wall was built. The gates were set up, but the work was not done. God still had a job for his people. And I want to say today, God's got a job for you. God has a job for me. And God has some things that we are responsible for uh, as we serve the Lord in our place. Our Father, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us not to miss what you have for us in these moments we're together. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. I thank you that your word has the answer to every situation of life, every problem, uh, every burden, every struggle. I thank you that the Bible is the answer. Help us to uh, seek your truth and to seek your word. And Holy Spirit, would you guide us and direct us in all truth today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, if you're uh, taking notes, I'll give you an outline for this chapter. I know we won't get through it all today, but we'll get a good start. Number one, I want you to notice the security. The security. You see, Jerusalem was built and the walls were built for the sake of protecting the people and giving them a safe place where they could worship God. You see, the walls were not built so that Jerusalem could be a party town. 
The walls were not built so that everybody could sit back in their recliners and flip through the remote control and do nothing. Jerusalem was built so that the people of God could get back to the worship of God so that they could have an environment where they could, in safety and security, worship and serve their God. And friend, I want to tell you, that's what we ought to have in our homes. That's what we ought to have in our churches. We ought to have a place. We ought to have an environment where we can worship God and we can serve God and where we can do what God has called us to do. Remember the children of Israel when they were in Egypt? And God said to Moses, he said, Moses, you go tell Pharaoh, say, let my people go. Well, why did the children of Israel need to leave Egypt? It wasn't so they could go on vacation. It wasn't so they could have a sightseeing expedition of Canaan. Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. That's what God desires for his people today, that we worship God. God didn't save you to sit. God didn't save you to sit back and relax and take it easy. God saved us to serve him and to worship him and to tell others about him. And so Jerusalem, the wall is completed. The wall is completed so that the people could worship God in the temple, so that the people could do what God had called them to do. You see, it was Nehemiah's desire that after returning from Babylonian captivity and returning from the Medo-Persian Empire, that there would be a place that, that God's people would once again have the security to worship God and to fulfill God's plan for their life. I'll say this, the children of Israel, they set up, verse number one, they set up porters. Porters were the doorkeepers. Verse number three, they set up people that would watch and people that would guard the city. How come? Because even though the wall was built, there was still an enemy that was trying to get in. And even though the gates were set up, there was still an enemy that tried to get in. And so Nehemiah said, you got to shut the gates you got to close the doors. you got to make sure you know who's getting in and who's getting out. Now, I don't, I don't know if, if, if you have this. Matter of fact, I'm looking around and I don't see the, the person I'm thinking of uh, here today, that, which is fine, health issues and all that. But I remember I was in a home of one of our members. And this was the first, I've seen it before, since then, but the first time I ever saw it. I walked into a home of one of our members and there was a Big screen TV. I'm not, I'm not talking about like, like this. I'm talking about big screen. It was awesome. And I, I noticed that's not what's usually on when I go to visit people. You know what's usually on when I go to visit people? You ready for this? News or Westerns? Did I, did I, did I catch any? Did I, did I nail your tel favorite television? Where are our Western fans? Where is it? I'm not kidding you. I can't tell you how many times I go to visit people and there's Gunsmoke or there's Roy Rogers or Bonanza, you know, and I just cancel the visit. I just say, hey, let's just watch this. And this is good. I haven't seen this one. And I don't do that. Or there's news. How many, where's our news watchers? Let me, you're telling on yourself, right? Yeah, it's okay. It's all right to be, to be informed. And I, I was expecting to see a Western or expecting to see the news and there wasn't. This huge screen TV it was a monitor for all of the security cameras at the house. I'm thinking, I like this. By the way, don't mess with people in Roanoke Rapids. They have security systems. They have guard dogs. They have shotguns. They have baseball bats. 
They have wild children that will attack you and, and, and bite you. And, you know, I mean, just don't mess with people, all right? Just do yourself a favor. Don't mess with people. But th- this, this couple, they had security cameras from all the exterior. And I was thinking, well, they knew I was coming. You know, as soon as I pulled in the driveway, they knew it was me. And, and I saw that and I thought, you know what, this is good. I, and I think that is good. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have a security system, I think it's great. But, you know, I remember, I remember seeing that. And I remember even since then, I've had this thought. I don't think I've ever quite explained it like this. But we do a lot and we go to a lot of lengths for security for our homes. And I think we should. I think you should take care of your property. I think you should take care of your possessions. And we lock the doors and we have uh, extra measures in place to, to try to keep people out. And we should. But I want to say this. The most valuable thing in your home is not your money. The most valuable thing in your home is not your jewelry. It's not your electronics. The most valuable thing you have in your home are the people that God has put in your life. It's your family, it's your children, it's your spouse. Can I tell you, we ought to have some security up, spiritually speaking. We ought to have some guards up because the devil's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to get into your home. He wants to get into your life. And you're going to have to set up some guards. Now, I usually, at this point, I would talk about all the bad stuff, and I'd talk about the alcohol, and I'd talk about the profanity, and I'd talk about all the, uh, the wicked junk on television and all that. And, and, and I hope you know that stuff should not be in your home. And you should set up a guard to keep that stuff out. But you know, can I tell you, sometimes we are not good at guarding what is truly valuable in that we don't guard our time very well. Again, I'm not talking about taking time to do bad things, but did you know sometimes we just waste a lot of time? We waste a lot of time and we get to the end of the day and we say, oh, I didn't have time to pray today. I better pray for 60 seconds before I go to bed. Oh, I didn't have time to read the Bible today, so I better read my verse of the day. And again, I'm not against reading a verse. I'm not against praying before you go to bed. I'm just saying this. We spend a lot of time on a lot of things that aren't really that important. It's amazing how hours can go by watching a ball game. It's amazing how hours can go by uh, uh, do, participating in a hobby or participating in activity. I'm not against those things. But we better guard our time. You need to guard your time so that things don't push church out of your schedule. That'd been a great place to say amen. You better guard your time so that church doesn't become an afterthought and church doesn't become an extra. You better guard your time so that you can get alone with God and you can read the Bible and pray. I, won't, I will not ask this. I never would and I wouldn't embarrass anybody. But if I were to ask, say, how many of you used to read your Bible every day? I think there'd be a lot of hands that would go up. You say, well, I used to. But I wonder when was the last time you opened the pages of Scripture? When was the last time you got in that prayer closet? You say, well, I'm just too busy to pray. I'm too busy to read the Bible. That's not true. You're just too busy. Because we make time for what is important to us. We all have the same amount of time. We all have the same number of hours in the day. But maybe you need to guard your time. Maybe you need to guard your schedule. Maybe you need to guard your priorities. Maybe you're here today and you need to guard your thoughts. Of course, I'm not, I, I'm certainly, I certainly hope you know you shouldn't have wicked thoughts and you shouldn't have immoral thoughts and you shouldn't have ungodly thoughts. Of course, you shouldn't be thinking about wickedness. But sometimes we think about only the negative. 
We allow the negative to come in and that rules our thoughts and that rules our mind and that controls us. And you used to be a happy person and you used to have the joy of the Lord and there's not sin in your life. There's not wickedness. You've not allowed the the drugs and the alcohol and the affairs and the immorality and all that to come in. But you have allowed yourself to become so negative about everything. And, and, And we're all like this to some extent, but you ever see somebody coming and you're thinking, oh, no. I bet it's bad news. I wonder what they're going to say now. Have you ever seen somebody call on the phone and you think, oh no, here it is again. I wonder what they're going to say now. Can I tell you, that's not the way we ought to be thinking. Philippians says it like this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, uh, whatsoever things uh, uh, have any, any virtue or any praise, think on these things. We need to control and guard our minds. The Bible says it like this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. There's some things we need to guard. You need to guard your time. You need to guard your thoughts. You need to guard your marriage. And of course, I'm, I'm of course, I hope you understand, you ought to guard your marriage against affairs You ought to guard your marriage against lying to one one another and deceiving one another. And you ought to guard your marriage against fighting and and criticizing and, and being rude to one another, of course. But you also need to guard your marriage so that you communicate. Fellas, sometimes we're guilty of one word answers. Sometimes it's not even a word, it's a grunt. And that's the extent of the conversation. Can I tell you, we need to guard We need to make sure there's open communication. We need to make sure we spend time with that wife that God has given us. Spend time with your children. You know this better than I do. This past week when Pastor Treber was here, we were talking. And when we moved here eight and a half years ago, Lacey and Savannah were two and a half years old. Um, They were the age of Micah, about the age of Micah, the, the, the age Micah is now. And can I tell you, I can't believe how quickly eight and a half years has gone by. And some of you are saying, yeah, pastor, wait till it's 30 years. Wait till it's 40 or 50 years. It just goes by so quick. I understand that. But here's what I'm saying is you need to guard your relationships. You need to guard the friendships that that God has given. You need to guard those things. Uh, You got to set up some watches. You got to set up some security. You got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect the things that God has put in your life. I'm standing up here this morning. And I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to plead with you. You know, sometimes we hear the warning and it just goes in one ear and out the other. Remember the, some of you remember it, but others of you just remember hearing about it. Remember the bombing of Pearl Harbor? That was an awful day. You know, that day when the Japanese came and they bombed Pearl Harbor and all of the lives that were lost and all of the devastation and all of just the the tragedy of that day. After the fact, they, of course, launched a huge investigation to figure out what happened. They thought for sure that the radar system must have been down. It must not have been working properly. But they found out the radar system was working just fine. As a matter of fact, there was a man who was monitoring that radar system. And when all those planes were flying towards Pearl Harbor, they saw that cluster of all those planes, and it was reported. And the superior said... It's probably just some aircraft, uh, commercial aircraft that's just that's, that's relocating. Don't, here, and here it is. You ready for this? Don't worry about it. 
was the reply from the supervisor to the man on duty. Again, the word was sent. The message was sent. These planes are still coming. They're headed this way. We're talking about the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And again, the message was replied by saying, don't worry about it. They found later, they found it in a trash can. They found that message crumpled up in the trash can. The warning message that had somebody taken that warning seriously, there would have been a whole lot of lives that would have been spared. Here's what I'm begging you today. Would you please take the warning seriously? Would you please do what God tells you to do about areas you need to guard? I don't have time to go through the whole list, but you know what God's speaking to you about. There's some area that you've let up in. There's some area where you're not doing what you should be doing and you know it and God has told you and the Holy Spirit has convicted you. But we need some security. We need guards in the pulpits. We need guards in our homes. We need guards in our marriages. We need guards with our families. We must not fall asleep when we should be on guard. We must not become complacent when we are on duty. God has given us a responsibility to watch the walls and to guard the gates. They say that the Great Wall of China was never infiltrated by going through the wall or over the wall or under the wall. But it is reported on several occasions that the enemy was able to invade because the guards were bribed and the guards allowed the enemy entrance through that wall. Can I say this? That old devil's going to try to bribe you. He's going to try to make it sound good. He's going to try to make it look good. He's going to try to make it sound like it's not a big deal when in reality, we must be sober. We must be vigilant. Ephesians says we must walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I see number one, the security. Number two, quickly, I see the need for spirituality. Would you notice in verse two, there are two men that Nehemiah places over the city of Jerusalem. He says, I need some leaders. I need some guys that can do the job and can be responsible to oversee the city. And notice Nehemiah lists the two qualifications that these guys had. Isn't it amazing? They didn't have a lot of degrees. They didn't have a lot of experience, but they had two things that Nehemiah pointed out. Number one, he said, he was a faithful man. Did you know that God wants you and I to be faithful? And anybody can be faithful. Being faithful doesn't require being real smart, doesn't require being real talented. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be real strong. You just have to be dependable. Bob Jones Sr. said it like this, the greatest ability is dependability. How many of you at your workplace, how many of you think that if you could have some dependable workers, you'd probably be doing okay? Let me see your hands. Can I tell you? That's what this world needs. It needs people that will just be dependable, people that will be faithful. God is looking for people that will be faithful, people that will be reliable. The Bible says we are to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That We see, number one, they were faithful. But number two, we see these men, they feared God above many. That means that these guys were more concerned with what God thought than with what people thought. Well, I wish we would get back in that mindset. We're so worried. Well, what's so-and-so going to say? What's so-and-so going to think? Oh, so-and-so, they may not like this. I got news for you. It doesn't really matter what so-and-so thinks. What matters is what God thinks and what God knows. 
These men, they were faithful and they feared God. Number one, we see the security. Number two, we see the spirituality. Number three, I want you to see quickly, I want you to see the size of the city. Verse four, it says, now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein and the houses were not builded. Now here's what happened. They got done with this construction project and they stood back, they caught their breath and they saw these massive walls and they saw this massive project in this massive city and then here's what they did. They started looking around and saying, one, two, three, four, five. There's not very many of us. Boy, this is a big city and these are some big walls, but we're just a few. And it's like they began to panic and say, oh no, what are we going to do? There's not enough. There's not enough people here. There's not enough people on our side. We're not going to be able to hold up against the enemy. We're not going to be able to defend the city. And it's almost as if they started seeing how big the enemy was and how small they were. Have you ever been there? I have. Have you ever started looking at the problems and saying, uh-oh, we are in trouble. Have you ever started looking at the obstacles and started thinking, this is not going to work. This is not going to be good. What are we going to do? Well, I got news for you. doesn't matter how big the problem is. What matters is how big your God is. doesn't matter how big the obstacle is. What matters is there is a God in heaven who is over all and in all and working in us and through us for his honor and for his glory. We see the size, the city was large and great, but the people were few. I want to remind you today, Victory Baptist Church, little is much when God is in it. Amen. Hey, don't worry about the crowds. Don't worry about the majority. If you've got God on your side, I want to tell you, you've got a majority. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. We need to find you a seat, ma'am. You got a seat there? Come on in. Now, do you remember the story in 1 Samuel? Remember the story of David? David shows up one day to battle. And all the Israelites are terrified. Including their fearless leader, Saul, right? Who's head and shoulders above the crowd. He said, I'm not going against Goliath. And all of, the, all of the soldiers, they're like, we're not going. We're not doing it. And David said, hey, I'll do it. What are you guys so scared of? Now, I've always wondered this. I said, we say that David had no experience. But in reality, remember, David killed the lion and he killed the bear. But here's the thing. I wonder if his brothers always thought, no, you didn't. Because he didn't have an iPhone to snap a picture. You know, he couldn't post it on Facebook. It's kind of like some of you with your fish stories. It's amazing how you never have your phone there, you know, when you catch that fish. Oh, yeah, I forgot my phone. Uh, Brother Frog, whenever he catches a fish now, he'll always bring me his phone and he will show me the picture. <laughs> I think he's heard too many people say, yeah, right, you know. But here's the thing. I wonder if the brothers thought, no, you didn't really kill a lion. Maybe it was a lion cub, you know. 
He didn't really kill a bear. I'm sure it was just a little, a little runt of the litter. No, no. But can I tell you all their doubts and all their criticism was silenced on that day when David, the shepherd boy, went against Goliath and he defeated that Goliath, just a young man defeating a soldier, a champion of the Philistines. Can I tell you how he did it? Because he had God. He had God on his side, and if God be for us, who can be against us? I've, I've told you this story before, and you, I hope you're not tired of it, because I'll probably tell it a lot more if Jesus tarries. But when I was a boy, when I was 16 years old, I'll close my Bible there to give you some hope. And uh, that way, if you're struggling to stay awake, just hang on a little longer. It's going to be okay. Or if you're needing to get out and use the restroom, just hold on. Just stay put. Just another couple minutes and I'll let you go. And when I let you go, the restaurants, I think they'll still be open. I think you're going to be all right. But when I was 16, my dad took a church in Geneseo, Illinois. Geneseo was a town of 6,000 people. And uh, it was the, the largest, it was the largest town in the county. There may have been one other town 30 minutes away that was a little bit bigger. But it was just, it was country, cornfields. Uh, the church was on the town square, a white clapboard building. There was a, a big brick junior high school across the way. There was a city park and there was a bed and breakfast, old Victorian house next door. But this little church, the church packed out. I think the church could seat 120, maybe packed out. You'd go in these steps, go up the steps, right in, no lobby, just go in the door up the steps to the auditorium, and there it was. When we got there, there were probably about 30 or 40 people there on Sundays, and just a handful of people, uh, mostly retired folks, very few, really no other young families. I think one other young family had a few small children. That was about it. But, you know, God began to bless and God began to bring people to that church, people we never met. We never knocked on their door. We knocked on a lot of other doors, but we didn't knock on their door, but God brought them. And that church began to grow, and that church, God just blessed in an amazing way. And in that church, in that church of six, town of 6,000 people, the church, most of the time that I was there and my wife was there, 150, maybe 200 people we'd have on Sundays. And that church... Can I tell you, God did some amazing things from that church. And Brother Dan, we, we, we've counted before, I know. But I think the last time I sat down and counted, I counted about 25 or 30 people from that youth group that went to be pastors or assistant pastors or Christian school teachers, not counting all the others that just are still serving God today and just faithful church members and Sunday school teachers and all of that. Just from that little church in that little town where nobody had ever heard of it, but can I tell you, God doesn't need a huge crowd. He just needs one who's yielded. He just needs a few that are willing to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'll say yes. I'll do whatever you've called me to do. And I want to remind you, when we look at ourselves and, and, and our church and we look at Christians and we look at people that are trying to serve God, it seems like that the majority is against us. But don't worry about the majority. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And as long as you've got Jesus on your side, you're never in the minority because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.